OmegaMetroid.com is here. We're so proud to finally share our website with you, giving Metroid fans a dedicated Metroid one-stop shop for the latest news, fan creations, walkthroughs, maps, and of course, the latest episodes of the Omega Metroid podcast. That's not all. If you'd rather listen on YouTube, you can check out episodes there. And if you really want to take your Omega Metroid experience to the next level, consider supporting us on Patreon. You'll get access to special Discord roles, a platform on the website to promote your projects, exclusive bonus shows, and so much more. Memberships start at just as little as $1 a month. OmegaMetroid.com is the source of all this great content. So whether you're a new Metroid fan or a series veteran, OmegaMetroid.com is the place for you. Check out OmegaMetroid.com today. Zelda cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spateri, joined by Allison Aletha. How are you today, Al? Were you up late? Yeah, I'm a little tired. I was up late playing the game that we're talking about today, but I actually am having a really good weekend. My best friend surprised me. Him and my sister conspired What did I do? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, my best friend Tony. He, uh, him, and my sister were texting for a week and uh, basically coming up with a surprise. And I got home from work on Thursday, and he was here, and so that was really fun. Oh, yeah. what are you guys? Uh, what are you guys doing? We well, he's gone already. He couldn't stay very long, but mm. he was in the neighborhood for visiting family, and he was like, "I want to surprise Allison." So we hung out for a day, just went shopping and all that kind of stuff. He helped me build my new bookcases and. Yeah. Nice. You know what? Now that you mention it, I don't remember seeing those last week. I mean, I did have a bookcase there. They just but it was different. Right. Yeah, it was yeah. different. Uh, that's great. I'm I'm happy to hear that. Um, so yeah, I uh, I don't know how I'm feeling today, Al. I feel yeah. well. I woke up as I've been waking up for the last couple days. Uh, for the last like actually like four weeks, as you can attest to. And my allergy, my, I don't know if it's spring, it's not spring allergies, obviously, because we're at the end of summer, but there's some kind of allergies that are just going absolutely nuts. So like my eyes, it looks like I got punched in the face by like Muhammad Ali. My eyes have been leaking water and like they're red and my nose has been running. It's been awful. So, uh, about an hour before we started recording today, I took this herbal allergy medicine, this non-drowsy uh, allergy medicine and uh, it's it's kind of starting to kick in a little bit so I'm hoping that that helps and I'm hoping that it doesn't make me like loopy or anything because every time I take Benadryl I'm just like I'm, I'm on like another planet I'm just like <laughs> like drowsy and just like Ugh. Um, so I'm hoping yeah. that that is not the case for for today yeah but uh yeah yeah <laughs> um so yeah, I, I streamed, actually I even streamed a little bit yesterday, but I was, I was again, I was pretty, I was looking a little bit beat up, so uh, I should have taken that yesterday as well. Um, but yeah, so we are, of course, we are live streaming, 
over on the ZeldaCast uh, Twitch channel, TV or twitch.tv forward slash ZeldaCast. We're doing that every week. Uh, so you can come and watch these shows live if you want. Of course, if you can't make it, no worries. It'll be on all of your podcast platforms shortly thereafter. But we've been having a good time with this. Uh, and I think that after a, a little snafu last week and the week before, Al, you are sounding better than ever. You just sound like a million bucks what was going on with uh, my microphone the last two weeks but to me that that was just a sign that even if it was just a faulty setting that it's just it was time for something new i've had those for like five years yeah. so i was like it's time for something new and i got this nice new microphone for podcasting and streaming i'm super excited yeah and uh it was so weird i really actually don't know what happened um because every every single setting was exactly the same but uh you know one of uh one of uh, our, our fans over on Twitter was just like, hey, what's up with Al's mic? And I was like, I don't know, but it's giving me horrible flashbacks to when we started <laughs> the Champions cast in yeah, February. Yeah. Oh, my God. This this mic that I had when I started the podcast was so awful and so dreadful. I remember Mossy's after, like, the 10th episode was like, Spiteri, what's your address? And I was like, am I in trouble? Like, and he's just like... He's like, give me your address now. So I gave it to him and he's like, I've overnighted a microphone for you because I will not listen to you on that mic that you're currently using for one second longer. And I'm still rocking that mic to this day. (laughs) That's awesome. But it really did like going back and listening to those first couple of shows uh, where like we had important shows, uh, those, those ones as well. We were interviewing like Elizabeth Maxwell and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, I sound so awful, awful. So, yeah, yeah it kind of sucks. Audio is like the worst. I had I, I like I can learn technology pretty quickly, something new, but audio is just like my is the thing I just don't understand very well. Yeah. And I was trying to go for something that we had at the marathon, like a kind of similar setup, and I was like, how do they do that? How do they? How does Lock Amasi set up the microphone so that they get just us, but not the game, not anything else that's going on? I have no idea, but I think I'm figuring it out. So. Well, that's good, because if you can figure it out, you let me know, because I, I don't know. Because um, I would love to have it set up where my microphone captures what I'm saying, but not like my button mashing when I'm playing a yeah, game or something I like that. I still have a little bit of that from yesterday, but aside, it didn't capture my game audio, which was coming out right behind it, which was super cool. Right. Um, well, Al, uh, I thought I had a good segue there, but it just kind of kind of went away. Um, so let's just hard segue into our topic for today, and we, uh, we're gonna have a good time with this, because we are talking about Blossom Tales 2, the Minotaur Prince, and, uh, by the way, should we mention what we're doing at the end of the show, or at the beginning of the show, what we're doing, I haven't even told you yet, uh, I talked with Mossy's quickly about this, uh, we're actually giving away a copy of this game, so we're, Ooh. we're giving away a copy of this game, we're gonna have a tweet, and you have to follow and retweet to like, uh, or follow and retweet for your chance to enter to win a copy of Blossom Tales 2. That's that's it, right there. So we're giving away a copy of this game. Uh, when the tweet is up, just make sure that you are following the ZeldaCast, retweeting the tweet, and you could win yourself a copy of Blossom Tales 2, The Minotaur Prince. I couldn't decide if I was going to do that at the beginning, at the end, but I figure let's, let's get people synced in here uh, yeah. right at the very beginning. But I am very excited to talk about this game uh in in podcast form today um it came out uh the the sequel to blossom tales the sleeping king uh came out last wednesday something like that on the august the 16th 
And um, I had the chance to, uh, so at this point, both Al and I finished the game, and obviously we're going to talk about it today. Um, but I had the chance to pen the official Zelda Dungeon review. So it was about 3,500 words. Uh, I had a lot to say about it, a lot of thoughts, and a lot that I wanted to um, communicate about that game. And uh, I, I guess like the long and short of it, Al, for me, and we, we'll, we'll dive in here, but my, my overall takeaway is that this game is exactly what you would expect. For better, for worse, it's exactly what you would expect. You're going to get a really fun Zelda-like adventure out of this game. Um, it's it's a really good time. I do have some thoughts about the future of this franchise, if there is one, that we can uh, delve into. But, uh, you know, I, I, I do think that this was a very fun, positive Zelda-like experience. Especially, you know, us Zelda fans were, were dying out here waiting for anything. Uh, so... So yeah, so that that was my initial takeaway, but we're gonna we're gonna break it right down today. We're gonna talk about the world. We're gonna talk about the dungeons. We're gonna talk about the story, the gameplay, uh, all of that good stuff. Before we uh, before we like really hone in, Al, what were your just like general impression takeaways? Because uh, you know you you it's fresh on your mind. Um. Uh, my general like thoughts is one. I really don't remember the first game. I I really don't remember a lot about it. It's been a few years since I played it. I played about half of it on stream and then then finished it off stream. It was I remember it being fun, cute, and charming right. and a good Zelda like. I really I feel like this is gonna sit more with me. I feel like I retained a lot more information during the this the the sequel game. I think I liked it more. And overall, it was just really fun. I loved a lot of the story elements where they were referencing other stories that were very obvious to people who, like, have read or watched those stories. So right. Labyrinth, Lord of the Rings, Hobbit, Avatar, The Last Airbender. There were references to all of those things in this game, and I loved it because it's it's a grandpa telling his kids a story, and, of course, he's drawing in outside yeah. elements. And I thought that was super cute, and I loved it. So overall, yeah. I had a really fun time playing it. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I didn't notice the Avatar ones, but the Lord of the Rings ones definitely stuck out like a like Oh, a yeah, sore we'll, talk, we'll, we'll talk about them when we get to them. I love them. They were so great. <laughs> um, okay, so we are almost going to do this definitive ranking style, except we're not ranking anything. We're just going to talk about these specific categories. But I feel like those categories are a good way to kind of break down and, and dissect and discuss a Zelda game or a Zelda-like game. So uh, let's do that. But I think that the first thing that I want to mention is what you kind of said about the first Blossom Tales. Um, and I think that I should mention, I absolutely like adored, I loved the first Blossom Tales. But I, after playing this game, I actually kind of took a step back and started to to ask myself like why I loved the first Blossom Tales so much. Because I would I would uh, argue, I, not even argue, I mean it's it's the truth. It's this... The, the second Blossom Tales game, I think, is better than the first Blossom Tales game and pretty much every conceivable metric. Like, mm -hmm. every conceivable metric. Um, so, but I, I think I came away and I liked the first one more. So I, I questioned to myself why that was. And and I think that the first one came out in uh, just kind of a weird circumstance that allowed it to be very memorable to me and allowed it to be a game that I really connected with. And, of course, that game came out in kind of mid-2017, when the Zelda franchise was in the midst of its biggest reinvention since its transition to 3D. Um, and of course, that was when Breath of the Wild came out. And I remember I wrote at the time uh, an, an article for Inspired by Zelda, and I was like, I don't know if we're going to get any 
more of these top-down Zelda-like games. And we haven't. We, I mean, we've got remakes, yes, but we've never got a new top-down Zelda-like game since then. So I was kind of thinking to myself, like, a game like Blossom Tales, this might be it. Like, this might be the best that we can hope for. And there was something so nostalgic and charming and simple about it that, like, in an era or, like, in, in the year of, like, complete reinvention and recreation for the Zelda franchise with Breath of the Wild, it was so, like... Uh, it's it just like, it was so simple and like, I was going to say safe, but not in a negative way, but like it was, it was just a warm kind of fuzzy throwback game that really connected with me. So I really do love the first one. And, um, like I said, it's kind of weird because the, the Minotaur Prince I feel like is better in every way, but it just didn't connect with me the exact same way that the first one did. So I just thought I would throw that out there for what it's worth to anyone listening um, to kind of throw out that paradox of like, this is a better game, but it may not connect with you the same if you were kind of on the same wavelength that, that I was or am. I don't know if that made sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I understand that. And I, I can see that I didn't feel that way at that time. So for me, it was just like playing, oh, this is kind of like a Link to the Past clone. Yeah. And it's very cute and I loved it. Whereas this one, I feel like a lot of the things I just I I processed it better this time than I did the first game, so I feel like it's gonna stick with me a little bit more. In fact, I I didn't one hundred percent the game, but I want to like I like I really right. want to, and that's what Zelda games do to me. So I will continue playing this afterwards because there's a lot of stuff that I could still do. Uh, okay, well let's uh, let's start right at the beginning. The biggest. Uh, the biggest, you know, thing of, of any Zelda game, arguably, and that is, of course, the world. And um, I, I think that Blossom Tales 2 does a really good job of of this world, actually. I, I think that it presents... How do I say this? I think that in Blossom Tales 2, there's different kinds of nostalgia and different kinds of... Um, like references almost and or, or callbacks to Zelda and some of them work really well and some of them don't work as well and I think that the world is one of the ones that does work really well because it it feels obviously very Zelda-like um it it would feel right at home in like a link between worlds or the Minish Cap or anything like that um so in in that way I think that this really excels so like the, the world is charming and vibrant and colorful and full of things to do. Um, it's broken into very distinct areas. So you have like your your Blossomdale town that you can start off with. And then you have the nice kind of magical forest up here. You have the desert canyon area down there. You have the, the haunted kind of wastelands up here. And then the marsh and swamp down there. It's like it's, it's kind of a little bit cliche in a way. But I think that it's good cliche. Uh, in that it does feel like each area feels very lived in, very charming, very just, uh, you know, comforting almost in that it's, uh, it's, it feels video gamey, but in a, in a, in the best way. So I think that the world is definitely a strength. I think that each world or like each area in the world has its own kind of visual identity, which mm -hmm. is, which is nice, but it still fits into like the overall theme of the game. Mm -hmm. So I think that yeah. they did a really good job with this. I agree. I love the world. I think it's very charming, very cute, very colorful. I love the different, like, they each area has its own theme. I would say that my favorite uh, place is the Periwinkle, whatever it's called, the the kind of haunted area. Yeah, that area is I, awesome. 
that's my favorite out of the whole thing. And I was kind of sad that it was smaller. It felt very much small compared to the other first two areas. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I appreciate that this is a small game, so that so the overall arcing map isn't just super large and overwhelming. Like it, it's pretty big when you look at it, and I love the act of filling it. So you can't see everything on your map until you move into that square. Then you can see stuff, and so you're actively filling the map as you explore. I love right. that. I think that's fun. It helps for my completionist heart. Um, but yeah, every area has its own identity, its own music, its own enemies, its own like vibe. And it does really well with that. And then you kind of, you know, you find your dungeon in that area to get your key to the final area. And it's very, it's very compact, but in a very good way. Like, I didn't yeah. need to spend 500 hours on this game like I do with Breath of the Wild. But I really like 100%. that it's compact and perfect. 100%. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like, the thought of playing, uh, like, a 100-hour game like just makes me almost like sick you know like yeah. i i want to be able to pick and choose like one or two or three at most games of that nature to play yeah. for a, a year and like after that it's like give me these games like blossom tales that are like 15 to like maybe size. 20 hours long and it's like that's perfect it doesn't need to be anything more than that so i think that the world does a really good job um and that kind of ties into the next thing that we'll talk about as well which is the art style um so this this retains the the art style of the first game, if you've ever played like a 16-bit Zelda, it feels right at home with that. I would say it's very comparable to the Minish Cap, actually, and that yeah. like the sprite work is very vibrant and, and it really pops off. That the one thing that I think I actually started playing A Link to the Past the other night, just I had like half an hour to kill, so I did like a couple dungeons or whatever. Um and but and, and the palette in that game does it, it always has struck me that it seems a little bit muted in yeah. that game. And I think that you can kind of see that in the Oracle games to a lesser extent, but still there. But like Minish Cap is the one to me that like really pops off. Like it, it just looks awesome, looks colorful, looks happy, looks vibrant. And I think that that goes into this world as well. Um, where, you know, that kind of, uh, that, that presentation really does help the areas stand out as, as being unique. Um, and the sprite work looks awesome on the enemies and, and you know, the, the characters as well. But the enemies in particular, I think, look really good in this game. Like, there's, like, mm. ghouls, there's cactuses, there's, you know, mm -hmm. the, like, the Minotaur King himself actually looks like a really cool sprite. I would say that, like, the human sprites kind of look, you know, they look fine. But, um, eh. yeah, I, I think that the sprite work in this game and the art style looks really, really awesome. Um, I would... I would be I would be open though to seeing like a more um you know in like the promotional artwork for Blossom Tales they kind of have like the cool looking version of Lily and it looks almost like the Oracle artwork did. Yeah. I would I would kind of be open to seeing like a like a a new art style with like that, almost like a link between world style. But mm -hmm. um you know, the the pixel art style looks very charming, it's very comforting again, it's very nostalgic and um is another one of the like the things that Blossom Tales copies from Zelda that comes off in like a good way. Right. Yeah, I would say like the world is like a, a mix of A Link to the Past and Minish Cap. <clears throat> and then the sprite work, um, as far as the people go, is probably a mix of OG Legend of Zelda and Minish Cap. Mm. And then the enemies, enemies are pretty close, to I would say, to uh, A Link to the Past for right. me. But uh, they just look so good, like in very yeah. good ways. Yeah, they definitely do. Um, and I would say that this is one of the strengths of this game, actually, like, yeah. like the, the biggest strengths of this game. 
is that the world feels vibrant, feels alive. There's lots of characters, lots of things to... We'll talk about the extra stuff that you can do later. But the world feels, like, very inviting um, yeah. and begging to be explored. So it's it's a great world, The and it looks awesome, too. And it runs awesome as well. I, I played on the Switch. Yeah, it does. Um, I mentioned this in, in my review. Um, not that I really expected to run into any technical issues, uh, you know, with a game of this kind of smaller stature, but, um, you know, there are a bunch of times where, like, you have, like, I don't know, a dozen enemies on, on the screen at one time, and, like, there's no slowdown or anything like that, so, I mean, it runs really well, the world kind of shifts seamlessly very well, um, so, yeah, it's, uh, the world is definitely a strength of, of this game, as is our next category, I feel, and that is the story. And as we'll as we'll talk about right after this, I feel like so. Like I mentioned, um, the game lifts a lot from Zelda. Some some good, some bad. So the one area that this game has the opportunity to kind of differentiate itself and, and stand on its own a little bit is the story. And I feel like the story of this game really delivered. And uh, it's probably going to hit a little different if you have a sibling, uh, as, yeah. as I know that you do and I do. Yeah. So. Uh, if, if you've ever played... Uh, first of all, let's take it from the top. So this game, um, the Blossom Tale series in both The Sleeping King and in The Minotaur Prince kind of presents itself as like a story within a story. So it, it's very it's very charming that way. So you have Grandpa, who is reading his grandchildren, Lily and Chris, a story. And um, this one is about The Minotaur Prince. And so Lily and Chris are both characters... In the story, so, uh, you know, the, the Minotaur world. And then in the real world, you can see the two kids kind of bickering and going back and forth as well. Um, so it, it's kind of a cool presentation because in the story world, you could see the speech bubbles of Lily and Chris and Grandpa from the real world. And it kind of influences how your story plays out. So Grandpa will be telling a story, for example, and saying, like, Lily had to fight a bunch of pirates. And Chris will be like, no, she should fight ninjas. And Lily will be like, no, pirates. And then you can, you can as a player, you can pick which one you want to do. There's a couple instances of this where, like, you get yeah. a musical instrument and maybe it's a flute, maybe it's a guitar. You get a horse, except maybe it's a horse, maybe it's a pig. You can you can decide. So it's yeah. uh, it's it's kind of charming that way. I don't I don't know that they've really reached the like the true potential of this gimmick yet, but mm -hmm. I do know that I don't think that it's worn out its welcome to, like, two entries into the series. So I, I think that that is, in and of itself, charming before you even get to, like, the main story. I agree. I really think uh, that the idea of Grandpa reading them the story and then that they're in it is super cute. And I I think that also influences all the, the references that I mentioned that are from other stories. Like, it's obviously Grandpa kind of picking things from his own right. life, his own childhood, to tell his kids, which I just think is super cute. Um, the, the plot of this story is basically the labyrinth, if anybody's seen that movie. And, you know, it, it's like a really, it's like in a tasteful way that it completely just steals the whole plot, <clears throat> which I yeah. love. Um, like it's not, it's not gross. You just kind of look at it and you're like, oh, that's from that one movie I watched like in the nineties. That was kind of like trippy and weird, but, um, it does really well for sibling kind of rivalry, rivalry mm -hmm. for them. Chris and Lily and it like unfolds in that same aspect of that story and I, I thought that was really cute and I loved it and I mean of course too when you're playing this game you realize that it's really geared towards kids like a lot of it is kind of corny and 
but with like good life lessons. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, I would love my kids to play this game. So part of, parts of it, I'm just like, I was kind of like rolling my eyes because I was like, like yeah. I'm too, I'm 30. I don't need I don't need this. But at the same time, it's like in a charming way. So it was kind of sweet. Like Grandpa's trying to teach his his grandkids life lessons yeah. through this story. I I think that it's like a, actually a not just a kid story. Like I I was uh, pretty into the story. So it starts off. I'll kind of give you a brief synopsis. So in the real world, Lily and Chris are fighting. Uh, they're bickering mm-hmm. back and forth. So Grandpa decides to tell them a story about the Kingdom of Blossomdale, whose uh, their their residents named Chris and Lily in that world who were also fighting. So very quickly, you could tell that Grandpa's trying to teach these kids like a, a lesson about being brother and sister and stuff like that. And the story starts in a very sweet way. So, uh, and it's actually like very, very reminiscent of the Minish Cap because you start off and there's this big festival and the festival is to celebrate a hundred years since the Minotaur King was banished. And uh, there's a big shindig every, every year for it. And this is the hundredth festival. And there's a duel to determine like the, the champion and uh, Lily is like an awesome warrior and she's fighting and she makes it into the finals of the duel where she fights Chris, her brother. And Chris, that little brat, cheats to win. And Lily is so upset that she wishes that the Minotaur King would snatch him away. And next thing you know, that's exactly what happens. The Minotaur (laughs) King comes and takes Chris away and makes him the titular Minotaur Prince. Um, Mm -hmm. So... He, I actually kind of really dug the Minotaur King, actually, because he was, like, dividing the two of them, and he he keeps on telling Chris, like, no one cares about you except for me, your sister's not coming, she doesn't want you, so, like, eventually Chris is like, okay, yeah, you're right, like, uh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the Minotaur Prince, like, this is cool, and, like, obviously he's a kid, and Lily's a kid or whatever, so they're a little bit more impressionable, but, um, so Lily realizes her mistake, and it goes on a journey to save him, and you can, you can, you know... You know exactly where the story's going. You don't need to have played this to know exactly where the story's going. But I think that it's still very cute, very charming, um, and very just like just kind of put a smile on my face. Yeah, I agree. Like it's it's very cute and has um, you know like has a lot of outside outside influences from Lily and Chris's uh, relationship on the outside, like in the real quote unquote real world to the story, and it's pretty cute. I really like it. Yeah, um, so that's that's another high point, and I think so. We actually, it's kind of funny because this this list that I'm looking at it has all like my high points, and then it goes right to my low points of this game. Ooh. But uh, <laughs> another another high point that I think uh, this game does really well is pacing. Uh, you're always moving. You're never going to be lost. There's never any any like issues where you're just like grinded to a halt. Like there's no Triforce quest. There's no repairing the Dominion Rod. There's no there's no shenanigans in this game. It's just like you go, you do the dungeon, you go to the next area, you do whatever you need to do, you do the dungeon, and you're always moving and you're always going. I think that there is one point where I kind of hit a little bit of a snag, and it was my own fault because I had like I had like 2000 coins and I was just like I should spend this. This is ridiculous. I, there's like a million heart pieces and stuff that I can buy at these shops that I haven't bought yet. So I went and bought it all. I had like 40 coins left. And then they were like, hey, you need to buy a bow for 200 coins. And I was like, oh, yeah. So I had to grind a little bit to to find some money. But even like that wasn't too bad. And that was clearly my own fault. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the game definitely keeps you moving. It definitely, uh, you know, 
doesn't doesn't stall with the action. Let's just say one thing that I do think about this game that uh, you know we've seen Zelda games do this as as late as almost ten years ago now with a link between worlds is kind of let you pick and choose your your direction in which way you wanted to go, which I think that this game might have benefited from as well, giving you a little bit of freedom. Um, like the game's pacing is really well and like it's it's fine. But um, I, I don't know. There's something about like just being able to kind of choose. Like, no, actually, I want to do the haunted area first, or like I'm gonna do the the wasteland first, or whatever. Certainly not a, a game breaker or a deal breaker by any means, but something that I noticed and uh, thought that maybe this game could have included as well. I don't know if you agree with that. In a sense, I can agree with you just because that's the way that games are moving. But at the same time, I think it really works. It's like the typical, you go to a dungeon, get an item, and then you're able yeah. to explore more of the previous area. So, I mean, that's fine. It works really well. Um, I agree. I think the pacing is great. Again, this is a bite-sized game. I don't need to be playing for 500 hours. So um, I appreciate all the collectathons that they add to it, but you really don't have to do them. Mm -hmm. And um, and then, like, the the act of filling the map is also, like, a constant, mo like, a good motion, too. So it's not like you're just stopping your adventure to go, like, I got to fill my map because I, like, can't stand the idea of an empty map. Mm -hmm. You're really doing it on your way to the next destination, and it, it does it really great. So the the dungeons are also not that long or not that chory. Um, the way they're separated and segmented is kind of interesting. You like, you go and you get to, you do like a long portion and then you get to a sub boss and you get the item and then you do another long portion and get to the boss, which mm -hmm. sounds so normal, but the, the way that the portion is divided, it feels like you did the whole dungeon already. And then turns out there's still a whole other half of the dungeon. That's at least that's what it felt like to me. And it was fine because there wasn't eight dungeons. There was only three and then the labyrinth yeah. at the end. I have a lot to say about those dungeons, but let's save it. Um, yeah, pacing. Yeah. It's fine. It's great. You're going to yeah. be moving. It's going to be great. Let's talk about the gameplay. And this is where I think that the game starts to dip for me, which is funny because um, the game plays, if you've ever played in your entire life a 2D top-down Zelda game, you've played Blossom Tales 2, the Minotaur Prince. So it's, it's kind of funny that... I would kind of sit here and say, like, the gameplay wasn't a strength. Um, but I just, I don't know. I think that there is a line between, how am I, what am I trying to say here? There's a fine line between, like, taking the best aspects of a game, like Zelda, um, and taking those best aspects and, and mixing them into your own game and using those aspects to augment your own identity versus taking every aspect from a Zelda game and putting them into your game, but that is your identity. That, you know, being a Zelda clone is your identity. And I think that's what Blossom Tales 2 has done. And I think that it, maybe it walked that line a little bit better with Blossom Tales 1. Maybe my personal line for that was a little bit skewed because of Breath of the Wild coming out that year. But I do feel like when I was playing Blossom Tales 2, I was just like, everything it, like it's it, every single thing that i'm doing is from zelda like every the way that you fight is from zelda and it's not better um like the the combat specifically the way that lily swings her sword is very slow and lackadaisical especially when you're doing the the twirling attack or whatever like whereas in zelda you're if you press a it's like 
you know, you're swiping at, at a furious speed and you're going to, you're going to kill whatever is in front of you. Um, and I like, you know, there's, there's lots and lots and lots of like top down Zelda stuff to do, but I just, I couldn't shake the feeling like when I, when I was playing this, I'm like, I've played this before, but I've played it in a better title in a Zelda title. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I, I'm thinking like in the last five years, Zelda like games have come a long way. And we, you know, we, we reviewed Tunic earlier this year and that one had like very, you know, very precise dodges that you need to make to avoid enemies or like you could customize your weapons or whatever. Um, you know, I just played Death Store. You can, you could customize what kind of weapons you want. And there's a bunch of different options that you can use. Um, or like there's very specific ways that you need to damage certain enemies. It's just like it's a little bit more involved. And like I think that obviously Blossom Tales 2 was going for simplicity. But I think that they went for simplicity at the cost of like really engaging gameplay a lot of the times. So I think I, I just I, I don't know. I, I think that it was the gameplay is fine. It's it's classic top down 2D Zelda gameplay and that's fine. Like it's never going to be bad. But I just, I don't think that, like, it, it was it was missing a little bit of spice or something. Like, some kind of advancement to make it stick out and be like, this is Blossom Tales and not just like, this is a Zelda clone. Does that make sense? No, I think Tunic is the perfect example because it's a Zelda clone, but, like, it really has its own identity. Um, and even, like, in the way that you move, it's, like, it's still, like, kind of a top-down Zelda game, but at a different angle, which is cool. Yeah. So I totally get what you're saying. Literally everything you're doing in this game is a Zelda game. You, like, the items are very similar, and how you use them are very similar, and, um, you know, this, you're blowing up, you see a crack in the wall, and you're like, oh, that's a cave, I'm gonna blow that up. That's typical Zelda right there. Um, uh, the way you solve puzzles is very Zelda-like, like, um, yes, I do feel smart while I'm, I was solving some of those puzzles, but at the same time, I was just like, oh, I, I could have done this in the Zelda game. For instance, so let me just use a very specific example, like the, the little puzzle where you multiply yourself and then you kind of like do the block puzzle. That was very, yeah. uh, Minish Cap and Four Swords, you know, it's like, it does take from the Zelda identity, but it doesn't like morph it into its own thing very well. So I can yeah. see what you're saying. Yeah, like like I said, I think that there's a very fine line between taking the best aspects and using that to augment you, but then like the the other half of that line is like you're literally just copying and that's your game. And I think that Blossom Tales 2 just steps over a little bit too far into that territory where mm -hmm. I I think like I think for the first game to kind of set what this series is, it's obviously a a, a Zelda-like series. I think that kind of adhering to more of the classic Zelda formula was fine and just kind of establishing what this series was going to be. But I think that with like the sequel, that's when you want to see a couple steps forward. That's when you want to see a couple new advancements or new something, right? Like, yeah. and I don't know that this game did that. And um, to segue in another area that I think that this is abundantly apparent is in the, uh, in the items in this game yes. and the abilities yeah. mm -hmm. because if you've played a classic top-down 2d zelda game you have intimate knowledge of every single item that you will collect in this game except for one um every single item that you get is from a zelda game bow got it shovel got it hookshot got it although it is yo-yo so i mean maybe we could <laughs> 
but like mirror shield, uh, fishing rod, uh, like like you go on and on and on. Like every single item is from Zelda. Every item, and I I think again, it's just like okay, I get it. This is a Zelda-like game, but like let's let's think of like something else a little bit different. There is one item that yeah. you get. That is not from a Zelda game, and I forget what it's called. It's like a... I don't know what it's called. It's like a, you know, advanced technology kind of A gizmo. gizmo. Yeah. Yeah. So this gizmo it, lets you drop a warp point, and uh -huh. you can walk around, press A, you'll go back to that warp point. And there are, a cool, there are a couple cool puzzles when you're using that. Yes. And I think that those are, like, some of the best puzzles in the game, which conversely is, like, go figure, because you're using an, a unique item in the game. But other than that, it's like, come on. Yep. Um... There was a point where I thought we were going to get a hammer just because I thought the little pink things were switches and not hookshot points. But then you get the yo-yo and you're like, oh, it's hookshot points. Yeah. So it makes total sense. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of the puzzles are very easy to solve because you understand what item you're going to use for them. So even if you're out traversing the world and you see something, you're like, I need a hookshot for that. I need the bow for that. Yeah. You know, so you can come back. Um, the only thing that was a surprise was that little gizmo thing. Cause I was just like, oh, this is not something that I'm typically used to in Zelda. And, you know, it was cool to solve puzzles where like, say you had the rolling spikes and you could like follow it, put your teleport point, And when those spikes passed it, you could teleport past the spikes. That's yeah. cool. You know, that was definitely where they were trying to have their own identity. The problem is it was just with one thing. Right. Versus several things. I, I think that if you had like half the items that were like that one item and like let's say half that are like the classic tried and true you got your bombs you got your bow you got your hook shot like that's great um but like the items that you get in a dungeon like those are kind of your your blossom tails items you know what i mean instead of like yeah here's another zelda item like whatever like when i think of that gizmo i'm like blossom tails did this really cool when i think of every single other item in the game i'm like yeah this is from zelda like it probably was used a little bit better in in here or whatever right so mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. A little bit it's disappointing. It's a clone, so, yeah. yeah. I will say, there are uh, there are a couple positives. And actually, I should have mentioned this when we were talking about the combat. Because I don't think that Lily's combat is very great. Uh, like, the combat in this game is very great at all. It's really just, like, swing your sword very slowly, kind of lackadaisically. However, you can find some scrolls to give yourself some, like, flashy moves. Think like Minish Cap when you go to the dojo and you can upgrade yes, your, exactly. your arsenal. I don't think that those are enough to say that the combat is a strength um because it came I, a little too late in the game too yes in my yes opinion. It, yes and i feel like i never use them because i was just right. like you know when you're fighting you're so used yeah to... right so i i can't say that that really made it any better but i will say that one thing that i think that this game does smartly is it uses the a link between world system for items where like you yes. have like your stamina yeah. meter and you can instead of like using like physical arrows or like you have 10 bombs or whatever, you just, you you throw a bomb and your stamina depletes a little bit. And, like, the more stamina you have, the more items you can use. So it's a, it's a welcome change. I love that in Link Between Worlds, and I love that in this game. So it's it, smartly they did that, at least. Yeah, that was that was good. Because um, you kind of realize that, I don't know about you, but for me, the bombs were OP. I, it was yeah, easier to totally. kill things with bombs than it was with the sword. So 100%. And it was probably better that they put an energy depleter on it because then I wasn't just totally bo like bombing through the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, they did really good with that. Yeah. Um, again, I just I, I think that this game 
needed to take a step forward, a, a little bit of an advancement and forge its own identity. And instead of doing that, they just really sunk even more into the Zelda identity. Like even, even the new items, like I have a very specific example. So I mentioned earlier, you get a musical instrument, right? I was just like, and you can pick what you want it to be. So I was like, I want a guitar. So I got the guitar and I'm playing music. And I'm like, this is sweet. Like this is original. This is like something unique to Blossom Tales. And then you start playing music and it's the same exact, <laughs> it's exactly like, same way. It's well, it's not even that it's like, it's the, the same exact like notes, like the yellow notes yep. with the, the directional button that you see in the N64. And I was like, yeah, this game can't help itself. It's just like, I, it just when I was just like, all right, we're getting something new. Even if it's not new, it's like kind of, it's new enough and it's disguised in a way that it feels new. And I was like, it's it, there we go. It couldn't help it. It's it's a ripping off Zelda again, and I was just like, love it. I was like, ah, oh. um, I just I, I was wishing for a step, and it never came, unfortunately. And I think that that applies to the dungeons as well, uh, which I don't think. You know what? You know what the dungeons are, Al. Zelda They're enough. <laughs> They're enough. They yeah. are. Um, they're enough. They're there. They are, you know, they have, they have a nice theme to them. There's so there's only three dungeons and a final castle and like one, I guess, mini intro dungeon to get your sword and shield. Um, but I think that these dungeons have a couple problems in them in that, uh, it's, it's kind of weird. Cause like, kind of like you said earlier, it's almost like they're too long, but too short at the same time. I don't know how that works, but like, so what, what I'm, what I mean it's like you'll go into a dungeon and it's it's themed into whatever area you happen to be. So there's there's a haunted house, there's a, a desert palace, and there's like a kind of watery Humpy water, yeah. yeah. And so it's like there's one kind of gimmick in each of these dungeons, and that's kind of it. So like the haunted house has like uh, I don't know a bunch of rolling tiles and or like rolling whatever doohickeys or whatever that you can get by the. Uh, the swamp one has water that you can lower and raise and the, the fireplace or the desert place has mine carts. And so like it has like that kind of one gimmick, but other than that, like the dungeons kind of feel the same just without like with the different palette swap. You know what I mean? They all feel like to me, um, almost like intro dungeons, like each of them feels like an intro dungeon in the legend of Zelda series. And that there's a nominal challenge. Most of the puzzles are very straightforward very easy to figure and there's and there's like when you go into so some of the best 2d zelda dungeons for example will have puzzles that kind of all encompass the entire dungeon so think eagle sour from link's awakening for example the, that entire dungeon is themed around finding the four pillars and smashing that down so that the tower collapses so that you can go and find the boss um or think like uh, think like uh, the the Temple of Droplets in Minish Cap. The entire dungeon is themed around going from either side and lighting the torches to unfreeze the, the Octorok that you fight at the end. Whereas in Blossom Tales 2, the dungeons have... They're all... I, I don't even... I can't believe I was about to say this. This almost came out of my lips right now, actually. It's almost Triforce Heroes-esque in that you go to a room, there's a puzzle in that room, you do the puzzle, and you move on to the next room. There's a puzzle in that room. You do the puzzle. You move on to the next room. There's there's no kind of like overall or overarching puzzle or gimmick to a lot of these different dungeons. I, I feel like 
most of it was room by room by room and you would like quickly progress. So it felt like an intro intro dungeon to me in that regard where while the dungeons get longer, they don't get more complex. Did you feel that way at all? Yeah. Felt like for one thing, the more hearts you get, the easier it is to go through the dungeons and fight the bosses. Like they don't progressively get harder when they should. I thought that the game was harder at the beginning because I only had a few hearts and you were really trying to avoid being like attacked. But mm. by the end, you're like, I have six bottles and like 15 hearts, so I'm fine. Right. Um, uh, so you could just kind of bust through them. I can understand what you're saying about the puzzles being pretty isolated. I feel like if they did have somewhat of a, it was just like, you know, a left room and a right room to kind of hit switches to open up the middle room to go mm. beyond the middle room. That was it. That was like the kind of the if there was an encompassing kind of puzzle versus just room by room. So I can understand yeah. what you're saying. Um again like I said when you when I usually go through dungeons, you know, you go through and you get to about the halfway point, if not a little bit below or after you fight a sub boss, you get your item. That's how this game felt, but like the the portion getting there felt like you already did a whole dungeon. And then you get there and you're like, okay, I'm fighting the boss and I'm going to get the heart piece, but it's not. It's yeah. items so that you can continue the dungeon. So I thought that the, like, I thought the pacing was fine overall because the dungeons aren't that long and they are engaging enough. So it didn't feel like a chore, but I just thought that that felt kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yes, they, again, it's all about the Zelda identity. So you had the mine carts in the desert place. Um, you had the raising and the lowering of the water levels in the wa the water swamp place. The haunted place was very, um, you know, like when you just start fighting a shadow area. I thought yeah. the outside area was way cooler than that mansion. You know, like I wanted to go back out and explore the like I love that periwinkle area yeah. of the of the game. The music was awesome. The characters were awesome, and the town of like, monsters was fantastic. That was yeah, that was I, great. I love that. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I'd rather have been more exploring there than doing the dungeon, which, and it was fine. And yeah. then you get to the labyrinth, and when you do the labyrinth, you're not really inside, so it doesn't feel like a dungeon, but it is. Um, and then when I finally got to the being inside, I was like, can I just fight the Minotaur King now? Because mm -hmm. I feel like I just did the dungeon. But you don't. You, you, you fight Chris a little bit, and then you do more of a dungeon, and you're climbing a giant tower. So... Yeah. It that part was a little bit like eh for me because I was really it was four o'clock in the morning and I was trying to finish the game. But <laughs> aside from that, like the dungeons, yeah, they're I I I liked them. I didn't feel like they were too much a chore or too easy. But you're right, they're just kind of enough. And there's only three of them, so it worked well with the bite-sized game versus having eight, like a link to the past, you know, yeah. which just feels like too much to me. So yeah. it it was a good balance, but yeah, it didn't go above and beyond to make it its own thing, identity with these dungeons. I, I agree, like, and, and I agree as well. Like, I like all these dungeons. Like, I, I think yeah. that they're all fun. They're all charming. Um, I think that the the haunted mansion is probably the best one of the three, mm -hmm. uh, which makes sense. It has um, a better theme. It's kind of like when you go to uh, what's the one in the what's the mansion in Twilight Princess? Oh, Snow, Snow Ruin. Yeah, Snow Peak. It's kind of like that. It kind of feels isolated where it's not like a temple or whatever. Uh, it's a house. Yeah, yeah. It it, it kind of gives. It's like Chasm Luigi's Mansion vibes. So and like you fight like Doctor Wily in there, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that one's probably the best. I did enjoy the labyrinth. I enjoyed like I, I mean I enjoyed all of them. Like it's just that there's not. It's not. It, it's kind of like eating McDonald's. 
you know, you can have, you can go in, you can get a McDouble. It's going to fill you up maybe, but it's not good. It doesn't, it's, it doesn't give you like substance, you know, it, it goes down easy. It tastes fine. It fills you in the moment, but like, there's no substance to there. And uh, I mean, I, Hey, I like McDonald's as much as the next guy, but you know what I mean? Like it's, uh, there's just something that's, that's missing. And I think that what is missing in the dungeons as well. So we kind of talked about how the, the puzzles are isolated in the, in the dungeons and I think that, like, part of that, which makes that worse, is, like, you have seen every puzzle in this game in a Zelda game before. <laughs> yeah. You've seen raising and lowering the water. You've seen switching the, the, mine, or the, like, the minecart tracks to get you to a new area. You've seen pushing the blocks on certain tiles. You've seen having to walk in a specific pattern over specific tiles. Like, you've, you've just, like, you've seen this. You've seen it. You've seen it. And it's, like, okay, like, this is... It's implemented really well. It's done really, you know, it's fun. You know, while you're doing it, it's fun. And it kind of tests your noggin a little bit to figure it out. But, like, it, it's not, it, yeah, it's just, it's not like it sticks with you after. It's like, there's no central mechanic here that's just like, wow, that was really cool. Like, the, the developers of Blossom Tales is a lot of this, like, really cool puzzle. It's like, I came away thinking, like, yeah, the developers, uh, Castle Pixel, who you know, we've interviewed before. They're great guys. Small team, by the way. So I, I truly am not trying to, to be harsh here, but like I, I kind of came away from these puzzles being like, okay, like Rob from Castle Pixel saw this puzzle done in uh, Oracle of Ages and was like, how could I implement this exact puzzle into Blossom Tales 2? Rather than kind of thinking of like a new way to do a new puzzle. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think that that kind of bogs it down a little bit too. Um, and I think, so I, maybe what I was trying to verbalize earlier when I said that the dungeons are too long and too short at the same time is maybe that they, like, they're not too long, but they're, or I mean, they're not too short rather, but they're too simple. So it's a simple dungeon feels like it should be short to me. You know what I mean? And so when yeah. the dungeons are long, it's like, okay, well, like this is too simple. So it's almost like, it, it's just, it's kind of weird. It's a weird mix that these dungeons have. I don't know. <laughs> They're fun, but... They're enough, yeah. Yeah, they're enough. Um, I would say the same thing with the bosses and the enemies. I, the enemies, I think, are really are really good. I think the en like the general overall enemies that you fight, there's a rich diversity of enemies. Like, the sprite work is awesome. There's some that, like, drop slime everywhere. There's some that shoot arrows. Those guys that shoot arrows at you, they suck. Those are hard to block so if the, you don't have so your shield. So the weirdo little dudes that throw the, like hatchets at you though i hate those oh, guys too oh god yeah i was like get uh, a life leave me alone yeah the even... enemies were like super diverse for each area but then yes. there were points where they got weird like did you get abducted by the aliens no aliens you didn't you didn't get abducted by the aliens no i i didn't okay well spoiler alert but there's like this extremely random moment when you're up in the haunted area where you just get abducted by aliens and you get, I think you get an energy crystal from it, but it's like, it's, I don't think it's a random event. I think it's a forced event, but it's so bizarre and out Maybe of I, place in the story. Know. Maybe I'm not remembering, but that, that, that doesn't strike out to me. Um, but yeah, so like, uh, I you think didn't get to choose aliens or space chickens with Chris no, and Lily? No, I wow, didn't. Yeah, I must okay. have missed it. Which is funny because I have like almost every single upgrade. I'm missing like four crystals and I think three heart pieces. Okay, well maybe that's one of the crystals you're missing. I did. Being it abducted must be. by the aliens. 
But um, uh, my point is that like the the enemies are fine. There's just like random points where you're kind of like, okay, this is weird. Yeah. And then as far as the bosses go, half of them were fun. Like, uh, but half felt very pulled from like Link's Awakening. I think that all of them kind of felt like I don't know. Okay, so so you're fighting like a like a ghost king boss in the in the first dungeon. Um, when you get your sword and shield, like it's okay. Um, I made a list of these bosses actually here. So uh, there's uh there's the pet octopus that you fight and like the. I'm gonna love that. The where they were like, don't don't mess with the water, and guess what comes out when they mess with the water? The yeah. giant squid. And I was like, this is so bold from Lord of the Rings. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> it was okay. Uh, the the second boss in the second dungeon was pulled from Donkey Kong Country too, where you're fighting that big vulture that like flies from side to side. That was okay. Um, I thought you so you fight basically Doctor Wily in the haunted mansion, and that that was okay. At this point in the game, you can kind of just cheese the bosses and damage them as much as you can. Yeah. Um, the Minotaur King fight was okay. It wasn't. I don't know. It was. It was okay. I thought the coolest part were the like the pulp, the purple arrows that he shot at you. Yeah. Like, I yeah. That, those you know, were, yeah. You're right. That was cool. Those were graphically pleasing. Like I really liked them. But aside from that, the the battles are after the first couple because you're trying to avoid damage because you have so little hearts. Mm. Is once you've been exploring the world, you have a ton of hearts. You have you uh you get a sword that's very Breath of the Wild how you get that sword, yeah. um, oh, with a larger range, larger swing, so you really can just cheese the bosses. And I was just like, you know, here comes you know the Minotaur King or Chris, and I'm like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna yeah. slap you across the thing. I don't care how much damage I take. I have six potions right now, so I was fine. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's talk about the side content and extras, and maybe we'll just say slash references because there are. There are a ton of Zelda references in here and yep. other references, and some of them work and some of them don't. And you just mentioned one that I was like, I did not think worked at all, and that was like taking out the Master Sword. They don't call it the Master Sword, but like, it was like, like literally the, the same thing from Breath of the Wild, where like it costs you hearts to pull it out, and like Lily's trying to take it, and like, it's it, she has to have enough hearts. I was just like, this is like, it's too yep. on the nose. There's a couple Lord of the Rings quotes which are like, two on the nose i think i oh, I, I, I don't know them. maybe they're funny um i like them it, i do not know the way I, that was good yeah uh, that one was cute they i do think the that and stuff. the owl gag i thought was funny when you know you got like kapor gabor <laughs> talking to you and he's just like he says something along the lines of like if you want to never not hear what i've said say yes and it's like your options like yes no and then like huh and so that that was kind of funny <laughs> yeah that was good uh, <laughs> But, you know, there's a lot of, like, references to Minish Cap. There's a lot of references to uh, just, like a, like, a ton of different things, like Labyrinth and Lord of the Rings and, I guess, Avatar. I, I didn't see any of those, but... Uh... It wasn't it wasn't a lot. It was just one. It was you were in the swamp, and they bring up the painted lady that mm. comes and attacks you if you pollute, which is a direct storyline from Avatar The Last Airbender. So I thought that was super cute. Um so yeah, there's uh, there's a ton of extra stuff to do in this game. And I guess that we should talk about t the two mechanics that were added to this game that were not in the first Blossom Tales, uh, which is kind of like... I guess I could see Blossom Tales was trying to do something a little bit different and it's an improvement. But again, it's just like, God, we, we've done this in Zelda before. And that is fishing and crafting. So fishing, pretty self-explanatory. It was easy, it was fun, it was simple. Like, it's fine. Um, and crafting, you know, you, there's like... 
100 million collectibles in this game, like flowers, apples, fruits, stuff like that. So you can kind of sort of craft in a way that's kind of sort of similar to Breath of the Wild, but not really. Um, you can find recipes for potions that give yeah. you like certain buffs and stuff like that. And you can you can make uh, these potions out of the... The, you know the items that you've accumulated on the overworld it doesn't it obviously it doesn't go as in-depth as breath of the wild does but i i thought that it was like a nice feature that kind of made use of like all the stuff that you picked up yeah i kind of like that i appreciated the um because some of the recipes i didn't really use so i appreciated no. the selling the fish and the flowers more so there's like two individuals one in the swamp area where you can sell your fish um uh, there's also, like, a trading system, not, like, a sequence, but you can trade some of those items for, like, a heart piece, for mm. a crystal, for whatever. Um, but also, the flowers, I really liked. Like, there was a flower lady, and she collected the flowers, and you could sell her the flowers, because I had, like, a crap ton of flowers. Oh, so, um, I had more flowers than I had fish. So, like, I really liked that. That's where I got all my gold for buying all my heart pieces and crystal pieces and whatnot. Um, so, I appreciated those bits. Um, and they were cute little collectathons, but there was like a ton of collectathons in this so game. So much. Like a ton. You had the bones from the desert area yep. to help the little archaeologist brother. Yep. You have the honeycombs from the bee queen. The bee queen, I yeah. I did collect all of those, but uh, I'm on my way too. There's like these kind of like Koroks looking statues, not th th that they look like Korok, but you know the statues where you put yeah. the offering. It's like a yeah a statue that you can make an offering, and each area has its Six. own. Yeah. Yeah. So and then it's like oh the bunny lord smiled upon you and gave you a heart piece. Mm -hmm. Um. So there's like all these little collectathons, which is fine and and good because it helps you explore the world. But I was like, dang, when I got to the bead. Because I got to be pretty late in the game. I was like, dang, I have to do another, like, go collect honeycombs, too? Jeez, you know what I mean? Uh, it, it's definitely a lot of collecting. It, it feels kind of like a rare game in some ways, because it's like, there is a, there's, like, you can collect fish, you can collect honeycombs, bones, like, you can, you can trade a hundred apples to, like, the lord of the uh, squirrels or whatever that are running around. It's like, oh, there is I a... I didn't do that part. Uh, yeah. Oh, the tree too. The There's tree, like a yeah, yeah, you tree. can plant little Deku trees around everywhere yep. to repopulate the uh, the ant species or whatever it is. Like, there is a <laughs> lot that you can do and a lot that you can sink your teeth into. Your mileage is going to vary depending on whether you think it's fun or you think collectibles or collectathons are fun. Um, but you know, at least at least it is like fleshing out the the value that you can get when buying this game. Some might say that it's like artificially fleshing it out, but. I, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think that you know, it does, you're right, it does give you an opportunity to go and explore the world a little bit more and, you know, just, just do your thing in the world. So I, I think that it's, like, fine enough. And, like, there are a ton of heart pieces as well um, because there's only yeah. three dungeons. Or if, I guess I think you get hearts from the three dungeons in the first intro dungeon. So you you only have, like, what is that? Four plus three. So you have seven hearts that the game will automatically give you. And there's 20 in the game. And it's broken up into yeah. pieces of hearts. Like, they're everywhere. They're all over the place. Everywhere. You can buy them. You can trade for them. You can do stuff for them. You can um, go into a lot of the mini dungeons and stuff for them. Um, and there's stamina pieces as well. So there is a lot, a lot, a lot of collecting to yeah. do. Um, and there, you know, there say... is. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, there was probably one bit of the collecting that I wasn't, like, super appreciative of because I literally had no idea what I was collecting it for until, like, almost the end of the game is the blue crystals that you dig out of the ground. 
Yeah. And you upgrade your sword with them. You meet this golem in the labyrinth, and he's like, I'll upgrade your sword for with 50 of those crystals. I had 100. And what does that upgrade crystals. do? It shoots a light beam out of your sword, wow. just like Zelda. <laughs> wow. So you got this master-looking sword, and then you're shooting beams out of it because it's got upgraded. And I was just like, oh, so I'm over here digging up every single, like, plot of dirt that gives me a blue crystal. I had 100 crystals. I only needed 50. Yeah. So I, w I was kind of annoyed at that that bit because I literally had no idea what they were for until that part of the game. Yeah, I agree. I, I actually, I didn't bother really collecting any. I think I had, like, 30 when I got to the to the big golem dude. I was digging dude. up everything. <laughs> I, well, I was just like, I wasn't really digging anything because I was like, Eh, whatever. I, if I need to go dig later, I'll go dig later. But you know, there like there are a ton of optional like little dungeons that you can do, like mini dungeons. A lot of them I would say are combat focused rather than puzzle focused. Some of them are. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So yeah, there, like there is a lot of stuff that you can do in this world. So I mean, kudos to to Castle Pixel. They they packed this small world full of stuff. It's worth it's worth the cost. I don't even remember the cost, but it's worth it. <laughs> it's like it's like fifteen bucks. Like okay. 15 yeah, bucks. it's very worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they, uh, they packed it, they made it worth it. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 there's a lot to do if you want to, I finished the game. Um, I think I'm at about 15 hours or maybe just a little bit more in the game. And I, and I have I, almost a hundo. I want to say I'm somewhere at 10 and I'm almost at a hundred as well. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. What do you think about the music? Um, the, it's all kind of forgettable except for the desert area and the haunted area. I think the haunted area was the best vibe. Desert area was kind of cool. It like it almost fit the place that it it, it did quite fit to me. It felt mm. more Asian than desert for some reason. Okay. Um but I thought that the like I just love that haunted area. It had such a good vibe. It gave me like night market from Stardew Valley and like cute little gothic bunny girl kind of uh spooky <laughs> i loved it <laughs> that's so weird i got the same bunny girl no i didn't uh do you remember what oh i said God, about the dungeons yeah i would say the same thing about the music it's okay it was enough it was fine yeah, it's enough um some of it was it, like it's charming while you're listening to it but if you could Allison, if you could hum really me, easy. if you could hum me a tune from this game right now, I'd give nope, you fifty no bucks. No hummability. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. No. So, it's enough. Um, and I think that that might how I that might be how I would describe this game. It it was enough. It was mm -hmm. a safe sequel. It was a um. It was an improvement over the first Blossom Tales as as a game that plays and functions and has ones and zeros in its code and has like all of that stuff. This was an improvement over the first game in every single way. Um, the the world was better. The dungeons were longer. There was more characters. The, the like everything about it, I would say, was better. But there's something about this game that just I'm not sure what it was. Well, actually, I do know what it was that made it just a little bit, not worse, just like not as memorable to me. And and that is, of course, what I've been saying this whole time, where it's like, I personally wanted, like the first game kind of set the template as like a Zelda-like series. That's great. And we know that the first game took uh, Zelda as its inspiration and its identity was being a alternative to the big giant Breath of the World open world RPG that came out. That's great. 
this game I feel like should have taken a step to forge its own identity. Like we're not just a Zelda clone, we're Blossom Tales. This is what this series is all about. And I feel like they kind of do that with the story within a story presentation, but they don't utilize it fully. And I think that instead of doing that, they like went even more in and and were just like, hey, like we took even more stuff from Zelda game. So like you now we're even more of a Zelda game rather than more of like its own game. And I think that if there if there is to be a Blossom Tales 3, and I hope that there is, and I think that there probably will be, they need to they need to rethink how how they're gonna do it. Because I I don't think that they can do this again. I, I really don't. I, I don't think that they can just copy straight from Zelda again and release a new game and have anyone care about it. Uh, maybe they will. Maybe I'm wrong, but I won't care about it because I just, you know, there was something about this game. You know what my father once told me, Al? Let me tell you. He told me that if you are releasing a product, anything at all, that yeah. is a comparable to another existing product, you have three options. Do you know what those are? You can Maybe be your own. You can be better than, you can be worse than, or you can be different than. So, I feel like the point that we're at with Blossom Tales is, it's not better than Zelda. I think we can all agree with that. And I think it's unfair to expect that it be better than Zelda, because Castle Pixel is a team of three guys, and Nintendo is a giant, multi-billion dollar corporation. So, of course, Zelda games are going to be better, they're going to have more polish, they're going to have more resources, etc. So, I don't think that being better is a viable option. So, that leaves us with two options. Being worse... Or being different. And I think that Blossom Tales 2 is not different. It's exactly the same. It's exactly the same as a Zelda game. But it's not better. So where does that leave you? It's worse then. Get it? I wouldn't say I'd go that far. Because I really enjoyed it. I don't think... Um, it doesn't really have a lot of replayability. Which I think Zelda games do. Um... I think it's going to stick with me like as far as like some of the the themes the areas the whatnot that special like item they had which was super unique and different I like that but I can understand what you're saying where it's just like okay I've let me list all the Zelda clones that I played but which ones like really had right. so much going for them and it's going to be like out of this year Tunic Tunic is obviously the better of the Zelda clones for me this year. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like a top tier Zelda clone for me. Whereas this is just like, oh, I really enjoyed it because it uh it reminded me of a link to the past and maybe it was a little bit easier than a link to the past for me personally because I have a hard time with that game. So. Yeah, and, <laughs> you know I, I mean? and like I feel guilty because like I I like this game. I like it a lot actually. And when I say it's worse than, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just it's worse than a Zelda game. Like it's not. Everything in this game you've seen in a Zelda game, and you've probably seen a Zelda game do it better, or do it first, or do it more originally. So, yeah. like, but just just by definition, it's like it's a it's a lesser than experience, and that's not to say it's bad, but it's not different than, and it's not better than. So that leaves us with one option, and um, you know, it's it's kind of it's it's unfortunate because I like I do think that this is a very good game, but I like when I'm talking about Tunic, for example. Maybe this is semantics to a lot of people, but I think that there is a difference between being a game that's inspired by Zelda and being a Zelda clone. Yeah. Tunic, Death Store, Anodyne, all those games that we've seen before are clearly inspired by Zelda, as was Blossom Tales. 
But a Blossom Tales 2, I just like, this is a straight up Zelda clone. Every item is the same. The dungeons are like, you, you've seen it. You've seen all of it before, but just right. in a Zelda game. And so I think if there's going to be a Blossom Tales 3, they have to do something different. They have to find a way to say like, okay, what is Blossom Tales? Like, what is this series beyond um, being a Zelda clone? What is it? I would say like, if you, if you don't have an answer to that, then you need to rethink it. And, but if you do have an answer, and my answer would be like, it's a cute, charming series where grandpa tells his kids stories. Like, how do we make that gimmick permeate throughout the whole game? Like the whole yeah. game or or something? Because like, I just, I don't think that they can keep doing what they're doing. I think it's going to be, I, I think that this game is going to be a diminished return already on the first Blossom Tales. And clearly it was for me. And if they do it again, it's just, uh, I don't know. But I feel guilty because this is a really fun game. <laughs> so it's kind of a we'll weird see, paradox. Maybe, maybe that's just their purpose. Maybe their purpose in these games is to be a Zelda clone. And that's yeah. that's what they want to be, you know? Now, yeah. if they want to branch out and maybe take their experience and make a new, different game that's outside of Blossom Tales um, and then try and go in a different direction with it, that's awesome. But if they want Blossom Tales to be like... like their formula is good if this is what they want Blossom Tales to be. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I just, uh, I guess for, for me, I, if I was a developer, um, and I have a lot of respect for Castle Pixel. We, like I said, we talked to the lead developer, Rob Mayer before. He's a super great guy. But um, if I was a developer, I would not be content with saying that like, I've released a product. It's not different than Zelda. It's not better than Zelda but it's maybe a little bit more of a simpler, easy to digest product. I don't know if that would fly for me. Maybe it, you know, maybe it does. And, and there's, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you're going to steal, steal from the best, right. And Zelda's it's the best. So yeah, I, I don't know. I guess uh, the game wasn't exactly it's such a weird, such a weird paradox. The game wasn't what I wanted, but it was technically, fine it was a fun game like it it goes down super easy it's just uh yeah i i think that something needs to change for the for the yeah. next one so yeah makes sense i understand where you're coming from so i guess we'll see what the future of blossom tales but overall like if you're just if you're trying to kill time and you are still just dying and gasping for zelda oh, anything yeah, absolutely. go play this game it's great yeah absolutely um it's uh Especially not... if you're a fan of the 2D Zelda games. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I will say this. Um, as much as I've kind of been dogging on it for the last little bit here, this this I'm going to say it again very clearly, very directly. This is a really fun game. And if you are a fan of 2D top-down Zelda games, I will pretty much personally guarantee that you will like this game a lot. Yeah, I agree. There's no way that you're not going to not like it. The only way that you would be, I, I don't know, I, I just don't, I don't think that's possible because it's so, it, like, what what I love and what you love, I'm assuming about 2D Zelda, is present in this game. Yes, maybe it doesn't forge its own identity as much as, you know, we might like or I might like, but I, you know, that's probably fine if you're just looking for, like, a cheap, I mean, it doesn't cost very much, but if you're looking for a cheap, uh, valuable Zelda-like adventure to hold you over for 15 to 20 hours, I think it's... It's a great, it's a great buy. So, yep, I agree. 
Yeah, we, I have a lot of weird feelings about Blossom Tales too. Um, that I was kind. It's one of those things that you you say um, the two things can be true. I really enjoyed this game, but I also have some things that just it didn't really sit well with me. So yeah, both things can be true. You know, my wife tries to say that to me because I I tell that to her as well. But she always yeah. says it in like the wrong context. Like she'll <laughs> she'll say it when I've when I've said like one thing, and she's like, "Well, two things can be true," and, and just I I think it's very cute that she she always says it wrong, <laughs> and she always gets mad when I call her out on it. So um, oh my gosh, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, okay, <laughs> that's it. Anything else you want to say about Blossom Tales Two? No, it's I I really enjoyed it. I love that it. I mean, yes, like I said, it pulled from. It's just a straight up rip off of the labyrinth plot, except you don't have Jareth and his super awesome pants. Um, <laughs> um, and then I loved all the Lord of the Rings references in it. I that it was um just there was a lot of really cute moments with that. I wish that 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 haunted area had been bigger. It was my favorite, and. Yeah, I, it was a good, like, kind of indie, like, holdover game for me. And for some reason, it made me want to go back and play Animal Crossing. So I think that's what I'm going to do next. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> nothing says uh, Animal Crossing like a Zelda clone. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Head on over to Twitter because we're giving away a copy of this game. Yes. Uh, you need to follow the Zelda cast. You need to retweet the tweet that we will make. And uh, if you are... If you are selected by God, we're going to give you a copy of Blossom Tales 2, The Minotaur Prince. Despite kind of what we've been saying, this is a very easy, very digestible, very fun way to spend 15 to 20 hours. So um, we enjoyed it. Maybe not as much as we hoped, but uh, I'm confident that you guys are going to enjoy it as well. So make sure that you are following us over on Twitter at the TheZeldaCast. And that tweet is going to be up shortly. And while you're there, check us out as well. At Spateri316, at Allison Aletha. And of course... You know, make sure you know, make sure that you're watching us over on Twitch first and foremost, because we've live streamed these shows and you get to see our beautiful faces and there's usually a little bit of technical snafus before we start the podcast proper, so that's always a little bit fun. <laughs> and um, you know, we've we've been taking that and putting these clips on YouTube, so you can check out the the little clips if you don't have time to, to watch a, a full episode. So that's been uh, that's been something that we've been doing as well. Um, and of course, you know, we're still, we're still kicking it old school wherever you get your podcasts, uh, all those platforms, you know where to go, you know what to do, like, subscribe, recommend, share, all that good stuff. Um, that is going to do it for us. We are going to get out of here and we'll be back next week. Until then, everybody take care.